Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. Today, I'm talking with Wendy Baker. I had a fun conversation just listening to her tale, learning about her memoir, the book that she wrote, My Name Was Mushroom. It's an amazing tale from what it sounds like in our conversation, from the information I've read about the Source family, which is what she talks about. It sounds like an amazing story to hear. I know I'm using the word amazing a couple times more than I should, but that's kind of the feeling I got from talking with her. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I hope you find value like I hope you find value in all the authors we talk with. But with Wendy, it's a very intriguing way of looking at life from a what was considered communes back in the 70s. Now, if you don't know what a commune is, it was basically a group of people getting together and living a specific way outside of what society considered the norm. She discusses the things about the program that made it where it was it's not a cult. So she avoids that premise there. But at the same time, she goes through and discusses the good, the bad, everything that was involved in it and brings exciting information to your attention that you can find in her book. So enjoy the show. Enjoy our conversation. Hopefully you find it as exciting as I found the conversation myself and you go on buy your book because, well, every author, of course, loves you buying their book now. I'd like to just wrap up a few things before the interview like normal. I want you to know that, as always, I'm trying to do my best to get things to make your life better for you to find better authors. So I have at least one review already recorded. I'm about to do a second review, and these are done by just me. And I have a list of review books I'm going to be reviewing that I think will be interesting in different genres so the best way to find out about these reviews is either subscribe you can go to authorblurb.com and find wherever you prefer to subscribe your favorite podcast player if you want to go and visit the podcast on my website if you want to do many things i will get everything the way i can to give you what you want you can also go to YouTube, Rumble, and I think the video's in another three places, but I don't remember. Sorry. I do try to put them out everywhere I can, get you the information, the shows, any place you can want to find them. Now, with that being said, if you have any suggestions or any books of the authors I've spoken with that you want to hear a review about, go to the website authorblurb.com. You can either shoot me an email through the contact us page or you can leave me a voicemail through the little widget on the front page or should be on all pages. It's being produced through a company called SpeakPipe. You can send me that voicemail. Say, hey, I love the interview with so-and-so. I would love to hear a review about their book. And if I can, I'll get you that review. Other than that, enjoy the show. That's where we're at currently. 
like I always say, I'm trying to improve, trying to grow, and trying to give you more so you find that author that you really love. So take the time, enjoy the show, and all else, go to authorblurb.com. You can find profile on me, your author, you can or your host. I am an author, but find me on there. You can find all the authors I've spoken with and even the ones that are scheduled to come up. So, and on their profiles, you will see the videos as well of our interview. So hopefully that gives you more information to help you decide what authors you love. That's my goal. Other than that, let me know what you think. Share, review, tell somebody, tell everybody. Prefer you tell everybody. More people that find out about the show, the more the authors get discovered and the more you can talk to your friends about different books because, well, books are so much better to talk about than politics. Just my opinion. Other than that, enjoy. Thank you for being here and I'll talk to you soon. So I'm here with Wendy Baker. We're here to discuss her book, which sounds interesting, especially if you look into the Source Family Commune. Her book is My Name Was Mushroom, the Source let me get this correct just because it deserves it. My my name was Mushroom, my life as a teenager runaway in the Source Family Commune. Now, Wendy, before we get into this, like I tell everybody, I, it's always better for the author to give a bit of information about yourself and your book. So if you can do that, I'm definitely looking to talk looking forward to talking with you because from what I've looked at, like I said, it sounds like it was a wild time in the Source family commune. Yeah, that would be summing it up pretty correctly. Um, it takes place in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And in the 70s, you know, was a wild time. Uh, it was the hippie movement, the love-ins, and then the communes popping up everywhere. Um, everyone protesting against the Vietnam War. It was definitely a crazy time. Uh, people grew their hair really long. And I mean everybody, <laughs> not just me as a child or as a youth, but the grandparents, the parents, you know, growing your hair long and letting it out, um, wearing cut-up jeans, wearing psychedelic tops. You know, just it was a, a, an incredible movement at the time. All right. I was young um, when the movement started. I was probably 12 years old when it all started. And then in the heat of it, or the heart of it, um, I was 14. Okay. Now, where, how old were you when you your book starts taking place? Well, it does start taking place when I'm 12. Okay. Um, but the, the commune experience starts from the age of 14 to 19. All right. So you were there from 14 to 19. Were you there when the um, hang gliding accident happened or were you there? Because if I'm thinking correctly from the research, there was a hang gliding accident with the leader and that caused his death, which was what then led to the dissolved or the breaking up of the commune from how I understand it? Well, when he um, decided to go hang gliding in Oahu off of Makapu Cliffs, uh, which is in uh, the highest mountain peak that you can hang glide off, 
and mm-hmm. it's really only supposed to be um, hang gliding for experts. And he never had never been hang gliding before. I was not with him when that happened. I was on the island of the Big Island of Hawaii in Hilo uh, when it happened. He was only there with a few people, uh, mostly his council women and a couple of the men. And we didn't really know about it until after the incident already happened. So that was maybe, that was a year before the family dissolved. Okay. Now, help me understand, or at least help other people who are not familiar with the Source Family Commune. What was it? Because it started off, if I'm not mistaken, by a guy named Jim Brown, or Jim Baker, Baker who my came, father-in-law. Okay. Who came from Cincinnati, Ohio, which I'm originally from Ohio as well, so that gave me kind of a, ooh, this is a little more interesting. <laughs> then he ended up just starting a restaurant in California, and then from there, everything started developing and taking place, correct? That's correct. Well, the story about Jim Baker is a whole story in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I plan on writing a story about a book about him. But yes, he moved from Cincinnati, Ohio to Hollywood, California. He met his uh, his wife there, who is my husband's mother. All right. Um, a lot of stuff happened. He opened up the first health food restaurant, gourmet house called the Aware Inn. He opened up the Old World, which the Old World was, there was a chain of them in California. And then he opened up the Source Restaurant, which was the first and only all-vegetarian restaurant in California. So I met him, originally I met him through my, my, um, through Bart Baker, his son. Mm -hmm. And at that time, he was just Jim Baker and his father and owning a restaurant. And yeah, so things changed, you know, a couple years after that meeting. All right. Now, the one thing that I did find interesting is the Source Restaurant was also extremely popular in the Hollywood circle with, like, I forget some of the big names I heard that would attend it. The Beatles went to the Source, you know, that one morning they drove up in a limo and out walks, you know, George Harrison, Paul Mm -hmm. McCartney, um, McCarthy, um, John Lennon. And the only one that didn't come was Ringo. But they ate there pretty regularly when they were in town. Um, a lot of famous musicians ate there. A lot of movie stars. It was like the happening in plays. All right. And there was actually a scene shot there. Was it yeah, Woody, Woody Allen's Allen. movie? Yeah, the Woody Allen movie um, was shot on the patio of the restaurant. Right. It's pretty famous, you know, that, that little scene. I was right. there for that, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, so I got to witness that whole thing. Well, that's always an interesting and fun event to see. Yeah. So yeah. so how did you end up... So you knew the family, the um, Baker family, before they started the commune and started growing the way they did, correct? Well, that's correct. So uh, Jim Baker and Elaine Baker got a divorce. All right. And for many reasons. Um, and he um, 
had a girlfriend named Robin um, who became his wife and they were following Yogi Bhajan. And so it was, you know, basically just a normal life at that point. I wasn't, you know, involved with anything at that point. Um, then at some point, Jim Baker decided to uh, leave the Sikh religion and leave following Yogi Bhajan and start his own um, religion, spiritual scene. Mm -hmm. So I was there from the very beginning when it first started. Um, it was, you know, he transformed it into a commune, but it was like not like a quick, quick process. But it, it happened over several months, and then we became a family, like a commune. I call okay. it a family. I know that the industry calls it a commune, and some people call it a cult. So mm -hmm. it's what you, you could call it what you want, but it basically was over 150 people living together and trying to create a natural environment in which to raise children and, and to live peacefully and spiritually. All right. Now, what help me understand in like we both have already acknowledged this took place in the 70s. What was you the title of your book? I was mushroom or my name was mushroom. Was your name actually mushroom or because back then people were calling themselves by multiple things and renaming themselves. Was that just a name you went by or did you actually where did that come into play? So when you join the source family, you get a number, the number in order of when you actually officially joined, and you get a spiritual name. And it was uh, Jim Baker, Father Yod at the time that gave you the name. All right. so my, fir my first name, I had four names in the source family. My first name was Lila for two weeks. Then my next name was Nirvana. And I was Nirvana for about a year. And then when you read the book, uh, something happens in the story um, that, you know, I don't want to give away too much because I would like you to read the story. But basically, when I joined the family, my mother did not approve. And she took me to court. And there was a whole court scene and it didn't turn out very well. And so at some point later on in the story, <clears throat> I got the name um, Mushroom. And why did uh, I get that name? Well, there's a little story behind it. Uh, we were in Hawaii and mm -hmm. we all hiked down to the waterfalls and we ate mushrooms. And at that time, that was the thing to do. It was a psychedelic. And I, apparently had quite a high an experience and this is not my personality at all but okay i, I definitely did, had a performance and um at the time his his name was yehoa and he renamed me mushroom which was an unusual name to get in the source family because they were mostly beautiful names like blessing and you know om and makushla you know pretty names. But right. I got the name Mushroom. So I decided to name the book. My name was Mushroom. I was that name for probably over three years. Okay. So a lot of my story is about me being Mushroom. Okay. So 
help people understand what your book starts off with you at 12. Correct. If I'm, if I'm opening your book, am I taking a journey starting off when you were looking, because it says you're a teenage runaway. Were you just considering running away at that point or did you already run away once the story starts in your book? No, I did not run away when the story starts. Um, I started the book like that because it gives a background of how I met Jim Baker. All right. I met him, you know, when he was just Jim Baker and, you know, his son introduced me to him and we were dating at the time. I know that sounds strange. I was only 12, but I grew up in West Hollywood and, right. you know, everything was advanced. We were way fast. Everybody. I mean, drugs, right. uh, sex, um, music, rock and roll, protesting. It started happening at my young age of 12. All right. So that's what the book starts off just like that. And then All it right. into it segues into, okay, so I met him. No, I did not run away at 12. Um, I didn't run away until I joined the family um, when I was 14. Okay. So then what kind of things do you discuss in your book that happen in the source family? What things, I mean, it's your story. Do you focus strictly on your happenings or do you talk about things that happen with other people as well? Well, I tried to stick to me. I tried to write the story um, through the eyes of a youth. My experience and what I went through in this commune, you know, as a young person, uh, most of the, the people in the family were older. They were at least 18 and up. I know that sounds ridiculous, but, you know, there's a big difference from 14 years old to 18 years old. Yes. So it's a different uh, depiction of what my what life was like through my eyes. I tried not to involve what other people's experiences were because that's their own private experience. Mm -hmm. But my experience alone was so, so wild and so amazing that I felt compelled to write about it. Um, I had many different things happen. Uh, to me during the, the whole five years or six years. And it, it, those things did not happen to anybody else. All right. Now, what, I guess, what kind of person do you expect to kind of find your book and get interested in it? Because not every book is meant for everybody. That's correct. So, like, for me... I'm never going to pick up a romance book personally, whereas I know plenty of other people that love them. So as that being an example, who do you tend to believe would really enjoy and benefit from your memoir? So I've thought about this a lot, and I think uh, teenagers would like it because, you know, they're so they'd have no clue of what we went through. Right. I think my generation, um, the 60 plus, 60 year olds plus, you know, to relive that experience. Um, I think any person that has had a traumatic experience in their life um, would maybe want to read it because I came out okay. I, you know, recovered. I'm I'm doing great. I'm successful. I've mm -hmm. been married for 44 years. I have three children. 
Um, you know, people have experiences in their lives, you know, that might define them for the rest of their life. And I'm hoping that this book can give them an opportunity to heal and to know that you don't you don't have to be the person um, with that trauma or that experience and stay that way. You can come out of it, make a choice and and be OK. So I'm right. in that that genre of people, you know, would enjoy reading my book. And it's it's quite exciting um, if you like memoirs. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely exciting. It's a nonstop movement um, book journey that I've taken. So I I would think that that would be my market. However, I've had a lot of emails and correspondence from people of all ages, including men, mm-hmm. that have thoroughly enjoyed it and ask me a million questions. <laughs> right. So, so that that would be my my guess. Who would buy the book? All right. So what can you give any examples of some of the events or some of the circumstances that happen in your book that might draw people's interest? Um, One that comes to mind right now would be the fact that there was a good amount of us that were young, underage, and the authorities were um, questioning Jim Baker of the underage girls that were not going to school and that had run away from home or left home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were checking into it and maybe investigating him. And within a five minute notice at a meditation class, you know, he says, you know, we're all going to pack up and move to Hawaii. And so nobody questioned it. And basically we sold the restaurant and Mm -hmm. we all packed up. And it was about 150 of us, including children and just everybody. And we packed up and moved to Hawaii. I mean, who does that? It was crazy. Right. Which is, I mean, one, living on Hawaii, imagine, would have been a beautiful thing. But like you said, just to pick up and move from the continental United States to Hawaii, which is still part of the United States, but it's a much different environment than the rest of the United States from what I've understood of it. Yeah. A beautiful also, landscape and all this. Yeah. Like when we first arrived, you know, people, I think we went to Maui first. Um, Maui was more of a hippie hangout. So it was a little, we were a little bit everywhere. So it was difficult to find property for all of us to live. It was difficult for us to find work and, you know, to build a financial you know, stable situation. The worst island of all of them, we we actually moved around because we couldn't find the right fit. So we right. went from Maui, uh, then from Maui we went to San Francisco. That was a total nightmare, total disaster. We were homeless for over 30 days. hundred And I had a baby at that point. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy times. And then when we went to Kauai, I mean, they basically... You know, they wanted us off the island. They did not, they associated us with the, the, the hippie beach people. And we weren't. We were nothing near that like that. But we were literally um, chased off that island. Uncle All right. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't like us. All right. Now, I know there was another, I guess, another commune or another group that was 
there at the same time as you guys, from what I understand, understood that kind of caused conflicts with you? Is that mentioned in your book or was that not well, something you experienced? No, it's in the book. It was unbeknownst to me at the time that I lived there. Um, it was a group of, it really wasn't, I don't even know if you can call it a commune, but it was a, a large group of hippies. Mm -hmm. They were living on the beach and they were getting high all the time. They were heavily mm. into drugs. They had children running around naked and they were, um, they were not clean, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And they were, we were nothing like that. Um, they had no money. They were living off the welfare. And I found out later that's who they were associating us with. But at the time, we didn't know who they were talking about. Okay. So because of their experiences and what they did is what affected where you guys were able to get into and be able to get involved with. That's my understanding, yes. Okay. Now, what was it like actually just as a summary because obviously if somebody wants to know what it truly was like they need to read your book but what what kind of feeling did you get from living there because and forgive me don't take this the wrong way but when i the research i've done like you said at the beginning some people considered it a cult some people called it a commune some people called it other thing it it seems like it would have been very confusing, like I said, a very wild time. What was the feel from inside the family, the source family, that drew you in and kept you part of that group? Well, this is my favorite question. I love this question. Mm -hmm. So what initially drew me in was I came from a, a very um, undysfunctional family. And there was lots of yelling and arguments. And I mean, it was just not a, not a fun place to live. And when I went to the family, it was everybody was so positive. Um, the atmosphere was so light and happy and beautiful. There was lots of love going on. Um, the music that was flowing throughout the uh, property was amazing. We had our own musicians our own music. Um, I escaped from all the drugs. There was no drugs in the story. Right. Um, the only drug that we did was in the morning meditation. We were, would have one hit of marijuana before we mm. would start our meditation class. That was our drug. So I escaped the whole drug scene. Um, it was organic, vegetables, healthy eating. It was all vegetarian. Mm -hmm. uh, the recipes were amazing. Um, the, we did fasting. We're cleansing the body. There was a lot of uh, nutritional um, avenues to the family, which I loved. I vibed to a lot. I loved the singing, too. I mean, we would sing, like, from morning till night. So much going on. I love that we all wore white and only white. Mm -hmm. um, we, the women wore dresses, mostly skirts, tops, dresses. And we looked like goddesses. It was so pretty. And the men wore white also. We wore uh, Birkenstock sandals, um, sometimes moccasins. We even made our own moccasins. We had our own loom. We made our own belts. Um, it, was, it was just like a whole other world. And I, 
whole other planet. And I loved the teachings of Father Yod at the time. And I loved the meditation classes and the yoga and the Hatha yoga. Um, I mean, need I go on? Like, it just if you can envision it, it was just a beautiful experience. Right. So with that, how much of it from your experience did you actually carry on through life? Did you hold on to all the teachings? Do you still practice a lot of stuff? Or did a lot of it kind of drift away to the point of you found value in it, but it's no longer useful in today's today's world? Well, that's another really good question. Um, I'm going to say that out today, right this minute, the few things that I that I continually have done is meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, yoga, um, the breathing yoga, Hatha yoga. I use that a lot in my practice. I'm not a vegetarian. Um, I believe I'm more of a Mediterranean diet. All right. I don't, I don't do that. I don't wear white clothes and only white, although I know. <laughs> Maybe I wear more than I know. I don't know. But, no, I don't. I'm not like, I'm not dressing like that anymore. Um, I don't smoke marijuana All right. since then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's so many practices that I just I did not take with me. I just took the few things that that I enjoyed and incorporated in my everyday life. Not not many. I I did like a lot of his teachings about marriage All right. and raising children. Uh, my children were raised very healthy, no sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, no processed foods, and they re- they didn't like it. You know, when they were young, they would the minute they would go to someone else's house, they would say, "Do you have any Fruit Loops? You know, do you have any you know just candy, sugar? You know." But but I basically did raise them like that, and today they most of, most of my children live like that. So that that might be it. Um, I don't practice to the level that we did. Um, in the source family, I know I'm connected with a lot of family members, and I'm going to say a good percentage still practice that way. All right. Yeah. So here's one thing that, like, I've talked to people that's written memoirs, and the one thing I've tended to find is when they start writing it, they have a thought or a process in mind. They have this is the message I'm trying to get out. And as they write, they tend to realize or remember things that was not so clear at the time they started, or they learn a lesson from their past that they completely forgotten. Was there something when you wrote the book that you learned either a new lesson from your past you didn't realize, or it brought out a memory or taught you something that you just didn't realize at the time? Interesting that you say that. Um, I think I blocked out a lot of things while I was mm-hmm. writing the book. And I we actually um, interviewed probably 25 family members. And they would tell me stories about things. And I'm like, oh, my God, I totally forgot about that. Um, so they steered up my memory of of events that took place. I'm not going to say that everything's completely accurate in order, 
mm-hmm. of what we went through. Because, like, once again, I'm, I tried to stick to writing the book through my eyes. And later, you know, people would come back to me and say, well, no, this happened first, and then that, and then that happened, and then, oh, no, this didn't. You know, I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not about, you know, being perfect, that perfect timeline. I'm just getting the story out. Um, it stirred up just a lot of memories of things that happened that I probably wanted to forget. Right. So I wrote about it and uh, researched it, and it was emotional. It was intense um, to remember some of those things. Uh, the lessons that I may have learned. I mean, if I had to do it all over again, you know, I think I don't know if I would have run away. I think I would have stuck it out and, you know, finished school, gone to college and done that whole routine. But right. instead, my high school was spiritual boot camp. That's that's what I chose. That must have been my path. Um, I must have needed to do that. I I do believe it made me a better person. I understand. And that sounds like it's a powerful message in itself. So what, I guess, what do you find the biggest thing you hear from people that you said multiple people has reached out to you, giving you messages, giving you, asking you questions? Do you feel like People are asking questions that you left unanswered, or do you feel people are just asking questions because they want to know more about the family that you didn't discuss topics and things like that? Some of the questions I get the feeling like they think I've left things out, that there's more to the story. Um, I don't think so. I think that I've, I've told the story exactly what I experienced. I mean, I'm sure you can make up and create, oh, no, you know, I wonder if this really happened or that, you know, I, you know, I pretty much told the story as it, what really happened. Um, I get questions all over the board. I mean, I've been in book clubs, I've Mm -hmm. done book signings. I mean, some of the questions are so off the wall. It's almost like they want something worse to have happened or they want me to have experienced like some sort of abuse or, you know, something terrible and, you know, it didn't happen that way. So I, I really, I really wrote what happened. Right. Well, I guess that could also be from my, at least from my understanding is when people think of like the cults and the communes and the big groups from the seventies and eighties, people kind of relate them to like the different groups you see nowadays, which are very not, if they say they're spiritual, it doesn't seem like it's a positive spiritual thing, kind of like more violence, more controlling things like that. And the source family from what I've learned of it was very focused on the spiritual, like you said, but also it was taking rock and roll and the whole do what you do, what's best for you and things like that to the next level compared to what it was at that time for the seventies. Well, I think that we started off like that, but I do think that it, it started to take a turn. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he was, he had 12 women, Mm -hmm. you know, that was an ordeal, a drama in itself. 
And then um, he was letting the men have more than one woman because he did. And right. it started to turn into like this whole sexual um, thing with, you know, multiple women with one man. Mm-hmm. Not in every case, but in a lot of cases. I think he, um, it started to evolve into not so good. I don't think we could have continued on realistically the way we were going. Um, not that it was a negative, but it was, you know, we're not polygamous. You know, we're, it, that, it, it, I think it works in some religions, but I don't think it's sustained in normal everyday life. I'm right. not so sure we would have been able to continue on with that practice. But there, we did go off on some tandems of, you know, sexuality and, um, you know, some weird stuff. Yeah. Right. I don't know how else it, to explain it. I understand. You kind of took my next question from me on that one because I was going to say, did you see it lasting longer if the hang gliding accident didn't happen? Because there was a lot of things where, like you said, multiple women and things started going a little bit more extremes to from when they originally started from what I've read. So what if you kept going, did did you have a project prediction of where it would go or did you think that anything could have happened in that sense? Well, for me and my psyche and the way I, you know, evolved. Right. Um, I, I would not have been able to stay. All right. You know, I think I stayed there for the love of Yehoa. Um, uh, I'm, I would like to think I would have left because I started to want more in life. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be part of society. I wanted uh, to lead a different life. It was, it was all too intense. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would like to think I would have left. However, not 100% sure um, I might have stayed throughout the whole entire process. I'd like to think that he would have, you know, there's a lot of change-ups in the way we do things. I would like to think he would have changed back to, you know, not having so many women per man. I mean, the man that I was with throughout mm-hmm. the whole family, he, it was me and, and another woman. All right. You know, and I don't think I could have done that continually. All right. Well, Just the, yeah, I grew up. Right, which makes perfect sense there. So what was, I guess, what was it that, actually, I really don't know how to ask the question that I'm thinking of. It just sounds really weird in my head. So, <laughs> the whole thing is weird. <laughs> it really is. I mean, like I said, it sounds like it was an exciting time and doing it as a young person we all do a lot of things when we're younger and but it was also it wasn't like most cults or cults where once you join you cannot leave and if you try to leave they bring you back you from what i understood you could come and go as you pleased correct well i i know some people did that but you could leave if you want to leave i mean he was not like making you stay in right. other words if you want if you stayed you had to be 100 percent in i mean he wasn't, right. if you were not 100 percent in basically you were asked to leave 
Okay. That did happen quite often. Um, but there was a control issue there. Um, we were sleep deprived. You know, All we right. had to wake up at 4 a.m. every day, start mm-hmm. exercising, jump in a cold pool or ocean, right. um, go meditate. And, you know, I was always tired and, you know, never got enough sleep. And food was not, by the time we got to Hawaii, there wasn't a lot of food. So mm-hmm. we were hungry too. So it was difficult to have the energy, I think, to to leave. But you could leave and people did leave. Some of, some of them left and never came back. And some left and then came back. So they said okay. when you leave the commune, they called, and you go back into society, they called that the Maya. So okay. it, was always a, it was always a big thing, like, oh, you're, you're leaving us and you're going into the Maya, like into the bad place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, for me, um, I couldn't leave. Um, and, you know, if you read the book, you'll know why. Right. I basically had to stay. And, but I also stayed because I wanted to. I didn't feel captive by any means. Um, All right. But I did have, when I left, it was a little dicey. Okay. Yeah. So when you left, did your husband leave with you or did he leave later? Okay. Okay. Let's make this really clear. Mm-hmm. I was never married. Okay. To the man that I was with. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, you, nobody really got married legally. You know what I mean? Okay. I didn't even have a ceremony, actually. Um, All right. But I was with the same man um, almost the entire time. Not the, not a hundred percent, but eighty percent of the time, I was mm-hmm. with a man named Starman. Okay. And um, we had a daughter together, um, but we never did marry. Okay. Yeah. And now no, we did not leave together. Okay, so now you're married with. It was Bart. Bart is your husband now, correct? Correct. Were you with, was he part of your life at the commune then, or no. how did that kind of work out? No, he never joined the commune. Okay, he stayed outside of it. Right, it was his dad that ran the commune, and his, they were divorced, his mom. So no, he um, never did join. Okay, so it sounds like it was extremely adventurous, lots of different things that happened, and sounds like a story that, almost everybody that would probably get into it or at least the majority of people. So let me ask this. If somebody wanted to find your book and reach out to you, where do you prefer them to go? Because I have all the information of you gave me on your profile on authorblurb.com and there's links in the show notes to get to that. Where do you prefer people to reach out to you? Well, they, Reaching out to me, they could reach out to me through Instagram or my Facebook or my email, which mm-hmm. you have all that. Right. Um, to buy the book, um, it's mostly in stores that I'm aware of in California, uh, also Washington and some Oregon. Um, I would love people to buy the book from a, at a bookstore. Right. However, they, they, will, they would have to go into the bookstore and ask them for it. And then the bookstore has access to get my book. Okay. Um, so it's in a lot of Barnes and Nobles here in California and lots of independent stores. 
but the majority of my sales are coming from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it comes in the form of audio, Kindle, hardback, and paperback. My God, Perfect. we're getting the biggest downpour right now. <laughs> like, it's well, like a storm right now. I've never seen it like this. Well, I'll tell you what, how about this then? Before it gets <laughs> too bad, we'll end the conversation for everybody else. And we'll talk a little bit more. If you can hold on for me a second, sure, I'd be no quite problem. appreciative. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. I'm glad you made it this far to the end of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it because that's what it's all about. I'd also like to suggest that you take the time and go find the other authors that are here. Find that author that you're going to love and you're going to want to share. It's all about the authors and that's why I'm here. Now, if you enjoy the show, I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. If you think it's worth it, Go to the website, authorblurb.com. You can donate money, donate crypto, buy me a cup of coffee, things like that that helps me support keeping the show going. Right now, I don't do anything to try to delay, add, distract you. Everything's out of my pocket, and everything is meant to make authors be able to grow their audience and grow your attention. So, as always... Thank you for being here. I hope you come back for the next show. And again, take the time, explore authorblurb.com. There's a lot there that you will be very happy to take the time to enjoy. And as final note, rate, review, shoot me an email through authorblurb.com. That way you can at least let me know what you think. I'm happy to always see reviews and hear what you think. Thank you. Have a good day.